This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, Chris Beasley, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And as ever on the podcast, there are plenty to chew over. And of course, we are looking ahead to the return of the FA Cup. The Blues, of course, pick for the TV cameras, going to Hull 5.30 uh, on Saturday night. Obviously, the BBC sensing an upset, but we'll try and hopefully explain why that is a not going to happen. And the Blues will sail confidently and serenely into round four. But that we will come to Hull, we'll come to the game, the significance for for everything and, and all sort of things. But... Um, Adam, start with you. Rafa Benitez just done his press conference at Finch Farm. Um, very lively, loads packed into it. Um, Rafa was really, felt like Rafa was on the front foot. I think, obviously, I think Rafa, as much as we know him, and, and you know, Preno maybe had to speak more about knowing Rafa better than we do. Under pressure, it feels like Rafa does come out of these situations and, and uses press conferences. But I mean, I, mean, I don't even know where to start with the, with the lines. I mean, the big one, of course, is he confirmed everything we already knew anyway, but confirmed in public, Luca Dean has told him he wants to leave the football club. Yeah, it, it was really interesting, wasn't it? Because, as you say, we kind of knew this already, Like, but Rafa Benitez has vaguely skirted around the issue in uh, some of his late, latest press conferences. In the past, as he's talked about, you know, wanting to put the put the attitude of the team first, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and not really address the issue head on, but he just completely put that by the wayside this time, and absolutely just went, as you say, on the front foot on the offensive, confirmed that Luca Dean doesn't want to be at the club, questioned Luca Dean's attitude, saying that he prefers his individual stats over the over the results of the team. Uh, and just absolutely went for them, really, didn't he? And it, it, was, yeah. it was shots fired. I think they say, don't we? Shots <laughs> fired. It was it was an extremely bold decision from him, and it's uh, to be honest, I don't think it's one that I personally agree with. Like I, 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 I understand that Rafa Benitez wants to set the record straight uh, on his views on this Dean situation, but you know, to like I, I would call it an attack on Dean, really, like to attack Dean like that in a in an environment where you know that Dean can't really can't really retort. He can't really make any sort of comments in response to this and put across his own sort of views. I'm I'm it, it sits a little bit uncomfortably with me to be honest. And I, I I'm not really the biggest fan of it because I don't understand what it what it necessarily achieves, as you say. Like him skating around the issue, we kind of already knew that, you know, Dean, you know, did want to leave and he was, you know, maybe eyeing up interest from from elsewhere, and it looked like his time at Goodison Park was going to come to an end. I think everybody was kind of coming around and you know accepting that, even if they didn't agree with the reasons behind it. So I just don't see what's been achieved by Rafa Benitez coming out as strongly as he has, and you know it, it, it really just seems to have riled up a lot, a lot of the reaction that I've seen it's since on social media, especially since the end of the press conference has just been, you know, Everton fans getting even more riled up about this situation when. You know, it, 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 this should have been a time when everybody should be trying to calm things down. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a really, really bizarre situation and certainly not one I expected uh, when we were just coming around to half 12 today. Yeah, I do wonder whether the strength of feeling um, 
from a section of supporters towards the decision over Dean makes Rafa feel compelled to be so forthright and, and open in press conferences to, to make his point clear. And um, Prano, I mean, maybe was it a case of Rafa has been asked about Luca Dean every week ever since dropping in from the Arsenal game? And, and I guess maybe did he feel there's no point in skirting around the issue anymore because everybody... It was all, you know, everybody effectively knew what was going on. So why why hide the truth, if you, if you like, or hide his true feelings more to the yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have that much of a problem with it, to be honest. I mean, the supporters always crave transparency. They, they want to know, you know, sort of what's going on and the reasons behind decisions. And it's taken a while before we finally got the, you know, sort of actual decision articulated publicly. But we have. And, um, you know, so the, the phrase that jumped out for me, you know, what, what I can't do is bring players who want to be here and then give priority to those who aren't interested. You know, so Luca Dean obviously being the you know, the one that isn't interested. And clearly the manager is being portrayed as an agitator in this, you know, sort of head-to-head. You know, so he's trying to force, you know, sort of player out of the football club. So he's defending himself. He's basically explaining why he wants to force him out of the football club because the guy is uh, more interested, as you say, in his own personal statistics. And, you know, the guys on here know themselves, you know, so how much truth there is in that. You know, so he is very, very much a, a footballer who takes pride in his own personal performance, possibly at the expense of the uh, the greater team at large. And that's, you know, something that Rafa wants to uh, avoid. He wants to try and create uh, a team unit and a team bond. And I don't think it was um, any coincidence that he tossed the name Peter Reid in there a couple of times. Uh, he's obviously trying to be cute there. He obviously knows that that would resonate well with the Everton fan base. And, you know, so Reedy, who was a footballer that always gave absolutely everything for the team cause, you know, and eschewed personal uh, development many times, uh, you know, in favour of the team. So it's quite good, I think, that it's out there and it's in the open. You know, so, OK, we all sort of knew anyway that, you know, there was something going on. But to actually physically hear it articulated publicly, great. I mean, we know what the situation is. And, yeah, I get what Adam said about uh, Luca Dean not being in a position to defend himself, but it's very easy the way the world is now with social media and what have you. For footballers, you know, to, to have a pop back should he so wish. Uh, so we'll wait and see. You know, so hopefully he won't. Hopefully he'll just, you know, sort of keep his head down and, you know, see what offers come in for him. And yeah, so I'll take it from there. Uh, but like you say, it's created quite a, a lively pre-match, uh, you know, sort of discussion ahead of a, a very, very big game. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll stick with Dean, but just for a bit of clarity, probably at this point, and, and many of you listening to this pub will be aware of this, uh, who maybe hadn't seen the press conference but had seen a bit of traction and reaction um, from it. Rafa kept mentioning Peter Reid, and I think in his press conference it, within the Dean situation, and, and I think it was. So well, certainly Rafa clarified when we spoke to him after the TV cameras were turned off. When we asked him what has Peter Reid said, what's 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 you know what's the issue, and he clarified it isn't actually it was nothing Peter Reid had said. He was using Reedy as an example of a of a of a of a, of a blue and a former player, and, and and asking the question, what would, for example, Peter Reid make of this situation? He would want a player fully committed, etc. So I think it's just uh, just worth us sort of clarifying that point, Chris. Um, I've got two questions in my mind, one for you, one for Gav. Do you play Luca Dean tomorrow? Um, I wouldn't know. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have played him at Brighton, but now that um, we've got the, the new left-back in there, uh, Vitaly Milenko, um, I'd, I'd be open to, to, to giving him a go. Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem um, playing Dean because of 
his relationship with Benitez or whatever his long-term future is at the club, whether there is one, which looks really doubtful at the moment. So I wouldn't have a problem in that respect. I, I'd go with the new left-back now that they've, they've got him in there. But yeah, I saw no sense in the keeping him on the bench against Brighton and Old Albion. But um, I, I'd, I'd, there are other options there now, so that's why I would maybe um, go with one of them. But it, uh, whether I'd play him or not... I wouldn't have a bearing on what his relationship is with Benitez or his long-term future at the club. I wouldn't have a problem in that respect. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, interesting. Gav, um, a host of clubs credited with being interested in Dean, as you can fully, fully imagine, because regardless of his situation at Everton and, and, and Rafa's issues with him, perhaps his belief that he's not as much of a team player as he needs to be. He's still a quality footballer, still an international footballer. We we saw in the first two years at Goodison how effective he can be going forward and how, as an attacking fullback, there weren't many better in the Premier League, maybe even in Europe for a couple of for, for a spell. Um, where do you think he ends up? We know Newcastle would want him, and we know that the club have talked to Newcastle about a long staff deal and and, and what have you, money changing hands with a player. Chelsea monitoring situation. A host of others apparently having a look. You know, it, 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 your hunch, where do you, do you think he stays in the Premier League? Do you think he gets a Champions League club? Where, where do you think he ends up? Um, the or does he thing, stay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think uh, uh, a whole series of podcasts on that eventuality, couldn't you, really? Um, he ends up at a club that gets the best out of Luca Dean, doesn't he? That the player thinks. You know, said before on the podcast that, you know, when players go to a new club, they want, want to know about two things, don't they? How much are you going to pay me? And where are you going to play me in the team to get the best out of my abilities? So, uh, on the basis of what we know so far, I think that he's going to end up at a club that gets the best out of him. I mean, he won't go to a club that plays a rigid 4-4-2 where he's defensively has to stay back all the time. So, in terms of like a generic type of club, but that that's going to be it, isn't it? I, I I really don't know. I mean, I'd like to think he goes to a club that we get the best market value for as you know value for as well. Do you think, Gav? And again, it's a really difficult question, but you're the man to to answer these questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, how, <laughs> You know, look, this January yeah. is a notoriously difficult market. Yeah. Look, we, we've been spending money, but not every not every club would be yeah. prepared to spend. Do you think we will get the outcome that Rafa ultimately wants, which is to sell Dean? Or do you think ultimately we may have to accept a loan with some sort of obligation to buy? I, I, I think financially I haven't brought two players in. We have to sell, don't we? And I'm just, you know, the, the line, looking at the bottom line of our financial accounts and stuff. It makes no sense loaning them out having brought two two uh, defenders in, in in January. Even it's a difficult it's situation a though, Gav, isn't it? Because as yeah. you say, I'm not saying we've backed ourselves into a corner, but you could you could you could argue that point, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. If you if you, it's too, if you just want to play for the club, then the loan is the event is is the is is is, is an answer. But the whole the whole transfer strategy on the club in January appears to be we will sell Dean and use that money to buy two new players in and actually over over the over this year actually make a profit on that because of the way finances work so 
the, the alternative is we then we, we, we fall further into the financial mire this year, you know, because we don't sell one of our players' assets, whose entire basis, entire transfer fee will be a profit for the club because he's been here four years. So, I, 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 my my guess is I think they might be prepared to take a day that maybe marginally less than what Dean Dean's transfer value is. Okay. You know. So uh, uh, rather than send them out on loan, and also yeah. as well, in Rafa's, Rafa's case that gets them out of the club. I, I don't, I don't think that the club's strategy here will be let's maximise the fee we can get for Dean. Dean yeah. I don't think that'll be. I think will be let's have a balance of something that gets them out of the club, but still gives us enough to both the two players well, yeah. in in January. Maybe gives us a little bit more wriggle room. And of course, wages to factor in as well. Getting his, he'd be one of the better earners, we believe, at the club. You know, understandably, you know, got well, a new well, contract. Well, yeah, the two, the two lads that have come in, probably collectively, their wages are probably less than what we're paying Dino at the moment. Indeed, indeed. Um, Adam, um, did you did you ever foresee a situation at the start of the summer where we would be talking come early January that we'd lost, say, lost, sold Hammers Rodriguez, and we're about to try and sell Luca Dean? No, absolutely not. Especially in the in the case of Dean, as you say, he only, you know, it was the start of last year, wasn't it, that he signed a new contract and seemed to remember his quotes in the, in that release where he was talking about the perfect marriage between himself and Everton and, you know. There's going to be a, a divorce. Well, well, yeah, only a year later, it's it's ending in a very, very messy divorce, as it, as it seems. Uh, especially when you, when you think about, you know, Rafa Benitez has always talked about it, the, the fact that he came to the club and he was like, right, well, I need we need to get crosses into the box. We need to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin onto these, the end of these crosses into the box, which meant, you know, obviously the arrivals of Andros Townsend and Damari Gray, both of them have been very good acquisitions in their own right, certainly. But, you know, the, the probably the two most creative players that Everton had last season in terms of that, in terms of that were James Rodriguez and, and Luca Dean. So we've essentially swapped out our, our two most creative players for for Dominic Calvert-Lewin and replace them with, you know, Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. Andros Townsend now it pro- might not be a guaranteed starter thanks to the form of Anthony Gordon. And uh, well, you've got you're going to have to hope that Vitaly Mikhailenko can provide, you know, some sort of crossing ability from that from that left flank. Maybe Nathan Patterson can provide that from the right flank as well when he's when he's fit and firing and he and he overtakes Seamus Coleman. It's just. Rafa Benitez said he didn't want to put a lot of pressure on the likes of Mikhailenko and Patterson to succeed instantly because they are young players and they're only coming over to the Premier League for the first time. But I think by default, if you're letting somebody like Luca Dean go, haven't already let you know somebody with the creative ability of James Rodriguez go, you are by default putting a little bit of pressure on them in that sense because they do need to get up the pitch and provide some sort of creative quality in the final third. You know, I know. That's maybe not the way that Benitez has played so far this season, but I think you know the, the more defensive aspect of our game has failed a little bit. We we saw an interview from him yesterday saying that he wants to be more aggressive and you know press higher from the front, and you know he's saying that these two players do fit into that model, but and in the same breath they're going to have to be a creative influence in the final third as well. And I think there is also the fact that you know Rafa keeps mentioning it overloading players, a squad that's been hit. Badly by injuries and COVID at various points in the season, and overloading certain players. I mean, to me, Damari Gray looked shattered on oh, Sunday, yeah. um, and 
you're looking at the team thinking, well, he's probably going to have to play against Hull if he's fit. So, you know, that's another reason to be, well, maybe Mikolenko and or Patterson um, are going to have to be involved. But, Preno, just, just staying on the window and, and transfers and, and news lines, obviously we were reporting um, early this week that after Mikolenko and Patterson have been signed, club looking to add a winger and a midfielder, hopefully before the deadline. you you happy with that uh, that strategy, that, that those plans? Yeah, I mean, areas of the team, though, areas of the squad that, you know, so certainly need strengthening. You know, we talked about the uh, the midfield against Brighton last week. That was largely down to selection rather than, um, you know, so lack of available individuals. But yeah, I mean, uh, as well as Damari Gray, you know, you could, you could argue that Alan, you know, so it's not a player that looks comfortable playing, you know, so every three or four days, Abdelaziz Kore obviously had, you know, the trauma injury of, uh, you know, sort of broken, you know, some bone in his foot not that long ago. So yeah, it's uh, it's important that you know sort of strength and depth is looked at, and um, it, I think what's quite significant is that um, Rafael Benitez you know is making these uh, additions now because it was only like you know sort of a few days ago people are questioning his future at the football club and thinking is he the man to take you know Everton forwards? But clearly he still does have the the backing of uh, Farhad Mashiri. Uh, he's still being allowed to you know sort of spend money in the transfer window, and you know sort of try and shape the squad. You know, so it, as he sees fit. So uh, yeah, you know, so a winger and a midfield player wouldn't go amiss before January, and uh, he's been very, very quick to get players on board that he wants already. Uh, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more movements, you know, so sooner rather than later. And you guys won't have to be uh, scraping groundwork until one minute to eleven on January the thirty-first. <laughs> well, you will be I don't anyway. Think there's any saving us from that, to be honest, is there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The shift that's for coming for Jen Tosin, don't worry about ten, about <laughs> ten o'clock. So. Um, bees, obviously, we, we we know for certain that that Sean Longstaff, who was a player that Rafa was interested in in the summer, uh, and he's is keen again um, this month. Um, what are your thoughts on Longstaff potentially coming to Goodison? Doesn't inspire me to be honest. Um, don't particularly think he's better than what they've got. He's obviously a player who um, Benitez knows well from his time at St. James's Park and from all the things we're hearing, you know, it, it, it would indicate that he, he's someone the manager rates and is um, happy to work alongside. I mean, sort of a la Salomon Rondon, really, and that's not gone particularly well, has it? Well, let's, let's be blunt, it's gone badly. Um, he's not been, um, he's been a shadow of his former self. Um, just does it inspire me? To be honest, I you know, he's not a player I've, I've watched loads. I couldn't say, yeah, I could tell you a, a, a great deal amount him about him and what he what he's he's particularly good at but it just strikes me that you know he he doesn't seem to be pulling up many trees at, at, at Newcastle is he out of contract at the end of the season um so yeah if you are going to take him might be worth waiting till the summer and getting getting him on the free I just don't see what he's going to come in and do now when you have to pay a fee for him um in January um sorry I, I, I might be wrong but I, I just don't see how he, he's better than what the club have already got in there Gav, you know, that's not a, um, it's not the first time or the first time I've heard that opinion. You know, Chris has offered, you know, a few people sort of offering their kind of feelings of being underwhelmed by the idea of Longstaff. I can't honestly say I've seen too much of him. Um, you know, Chris the same. But do you think the root of why Rafa wants Longstaff is not only because he's he's available or, or should be available and would come relatively cheap um, because of his contractual situation, but he's clearly a player for me who Rafa knows will do what he wants. And I don't mean that in a in yeah. a negative way. I mean, he's a player who will respond to what Rafa's instructions are and has done. And 
you know, that seems to be a key thing for me in in this potential transfer. Yeah, yeah. I'm with I'm with Chris on by the way. I mean I think I think just speaking about finances there, haven't we in the sort of getting it right in January, I don't see the point of spending five million pounds on a player who's you can get for three five months later. Um so by the time he's up and running, you you've only got like three three and a half months of the season left. Um plus his wages. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I get that completely. I, like you, I'm not exactly the player I'm totally familiar with, um, but as the concept, yeah, the one thing we learned from Benitez at Everton, and it's been magnified compared to what we've known before, is he wants players who he's familiar with who want to play for him. Isn't That's it? what he I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and from that, from that, from that, from that basis, it makes absolute sense, doesn't it? Really. Uh, Rondon, yeah, I get to stick it out, but I think some of Rondon's troubles are not necessarily self-inflicted. Down, I think it's down to the fact that Cavalier was injured. Um, albeit, to be fair, he's not done himself any favours. But don't, I wouldn't put all all Rondon's problems on on the player and manager. I think there's circumstances there, but yeah, long stuff the same. Um, he's obviously familiar with him to a degree, um, and it makes sense um, for Benitez. With. That's what managers do when they struggle, don't they? They tend to surround themselves with players that they're familiar with, who they can trust. So here's another one into into the uh, mix. But it doesn't make, I, I'm, I'm with Chris on this. If, if you take that away, then I'm not sure how much, is he a player that we actually need, and is he a player that we need for five million quid? You know, so. Interesting to see how that plays out, to be honest with you, whether there's any option. If there any other option turn up in January, better than him, whether it goes with that. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, another midfielder has been in the news, of course, this week, Adam. We reported that uh, Gabamin basically uh, is available uh, this month. Um, I think he would prefer a loan. Uh, if that's what it's come, but I think Everton are very much open to selling. Rafa tried to play it down uh, at the press conference, but of course, um, our information is that it very much is available for the right if you know a club comes in and makes the correct offer. Um, the best move for all parties, or does does JP need to stay around? And is he useful? I mean, I mean, there's even the possibility. Does Gabamin play tomorrow? I mean, well, <laughs> I don't think he plays tomorrow, especially if the club are looking for a move for him, and you know, especially with the recent injury history that Kabamans had. I, th- I think there's there's a real chance to... if you play him tomorrow he breaks down, isn't there? Well does he need does he need to play to prove his fitness? Does he need to get in the shop window in that respect? Well that, well that's the conundrum that he that he finds himself in, isn't it? I think you know I, I think you are right in what you say. I think it it does just become the best move for all parties. It's a really, really disappointing situation, you know, both for the club and the player to find themselves in and you know nobody could have predicted how unlucky that he has been over the past couple of years and you know we've talked extensively about his injury problems over on this podcast over the last couple of years so i won't go into into detail on it but he's found himself in a situation now where he has been fit for the past well few weeks maybe a couple of months now and uh you know he, he, i think he was i think he was done a little bit dirty but start getting started in that wolves game i think that was that was that was a little bit unfair on him to throw him in for his first prem, premier league start in what over two years in a in that match, you know, in a, in a midfield two alongside Alan, I think it was, on a, on that night. So I do think that was a tiny a tiny bit unfair on him. But you know, after that, he got 
uh, it was Mason Holgate who preferred to him off the bench against Spurs until you know Holgate got sent off, and then <laughs> it seemed reluctantly Rafa had to uh, bring a Bamin on. Uh, I think the next time he got on was against Chelsea, wasn't it? Uh, and you know he only got the last couple of minutes. Didn't I? Didn't think he looked particularly solid in those couple of minutes that he got on the pitch either. He's got to a point where he does just need to. He needs to play consistent minutes to try and build his fitness back up again, build his confidence back up again, try and rediscover the player that he was before he came to Everton. But the problem is that Everton are in this situation at the minute where they're in such a bad run of form. We need dependable players in that midfield area, especially. You know, it, it's an area that we were talking about in the podcast earlier in the week that we're struggling in in terms of you know ball retention and you know even stopping teams coming like an attacking straight through us down the middle so we need dependable players in that area of the pitch and unfortunately Gabamon just doesn't fit into that mold at the minute so if he can get you know if he wants a loan to try and uh, get six months of some game time under his belt that we can't afford him then yeah that could be that could be the best situation but at the same time you have to say if if Everton can get some sort of fee for a player that's been you know almost perpetually injured or out of the side for the last two and a half years since he since he joined the club, obviously they'd be making a huge sort of financial loss in terms of the uh, in terms of the fee that they paid for him to Mines in 2019. But to get any sort of fee for him, I think would be would be an absolute bonus uh, considering his injury record recently. So it's a really unfortunate situation and disappointing situation for uh, the player to find himself in. But I, I, I do just think. Him leaving in this in this January transfer window, it, you know, it might seem a little bit ruthless from Everton at this point, but I think Everton just have to be ruthless uh, when it comes down to it. Could be difficult to find a buyer for uh, for a player who's not played, but we shall see how that pans out. And as things as things, uh, you know, minds focused only towards the end of a window. So let's see what happens. And um, Preno, just speaking of a player that we uh, have brought him and mentioned him earlier, um, what are your initial thoughts on uh, on Nathan Patterson have to come to the club from Rangers? Excited. Um, I've only seen bits of him, you know, so the, the goal he scored for uh, his national team and, you know, so a few highlights, uh, notably goals uh, for Rangers. Um, but he, he fits the bill for the kind of player that we were led to believe was the club's transfer strategy, you know, so pre-Carlo Ancelotti um, and, that, you know, we're trying to bring in young players that can develop and evolve and, you know, so if necessary, be sold on at a profit, you know, so if not become very, very integral and important members of, uh, of, of the team. And everything we've heard from north of the border about Nathan Patterson is glowing. Uh, you know, they love him up there, you know, so they talk about what a great talent he is. And everything he said himself about his enthusiasm for the move and how desperate he is, you know, so to make a name for himself fits the bill. So, yeah, very, very excited about it. Um, it's almost like a flashback to the, uh, you know, the kind of players that, Everton fans wanted to see playing for the club, you know, somebody that's hungry, somebody that wants to, you know, establish himself and make a name for himself, not somebody who's, you know, already established, you know, the, the superstar signings, you know, your James Rodriguez and the likes, you know, so who, you know, so maybe feel that they're doing the club a favour by playing for them, whereas it's the other way around, you know, so with somebody like Patterson. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm quite heartened as well by what Rafa said in his press conference at lunchtime that it sounds like one of them will play tomorrow. And uh, whether it's him or Mikalenko, I don't know. Uh, he said neither of them have trained properly for the last 15 days, but obviously, given the fact there's a Premier League match only three days after the cup tie, you know, it, one of them's going to have to play probably one game and the other one the other. So, we're going to see, you know, so a glimpse of them, you know, so very, very quickly. But yeah, I'm excited by that one, you know, so I like, don't know a huge amount about him. What I do know is very, very positive. 
and the people that have seen him you know, much more frequently than I have uh, seem to think he's a very, very promising young man. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But he's following a, a fairly well-trodden path, isn't he? Um, coming to Goodison from, oh, yeah. from Scotland and Rangers. You t- just, I think you've been writing about it this week, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Like so, uh, I spoke to Dave about it. You could um, put out a hugely impressive um, combined Everton um, Rangers 11. I won't go through it now, but we've got the article on it and want people want to look out for that one with a strong bench and obviously Walter Smith as manager. So, yeah, it is a well-trodden path. And... Um, yeah, I speak to one of our colleagues from up there at Football Scotland, and he was um, he was glowing in it, in his uh, appraisal of uh, young, young Nathan. Um, it's an interesting scenario, really, the fact that he he hardly got a game for them, um, despite being so highly rated, Scotland international, despite his tender years, you know, and capped by his country. Yet um, James Tavener um, is the club captain there, and is sort of in, indispensable in, in the right back slot at, at Rangers, which actually meant that. When Patterson did get a game, it was often a left back um, in, in recent times. So that I mean, that's interesting as well with Luca Dean. There's um, a twist, yeah. There's yeah. a twist. That's why he's been given the number three, isn't he? Yeah, he's taken oh. three jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it seems um, it's an interesting one. Then that Rangers just felt that you know the money that was being offered. Obviously, it's a record fee for them in terms of a sale, and the fact that um, the, the captain Tavernier is is is. is 30 and still seen as a few more good years left in him. It's best to cash in now rather than wait and develop the player. But still, there's nothing but good things to say about him. Like you say, he's a huge talent. I mean, I think they actually said he was probably the biggest talent to come out of Rangers since Chelsea took Billy Gilmore. So uh, a similar sort of um, calibre to that. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting times. And, and I've got to remember, of course, that Everton have been waiting to find that long-term successor for Seamus Coleman for quite a while now. So they will obviously hope that um, Patterson's the, the man to sort of have that long-term impact. Yeah, that is a very, very long list of players that we've tried to sign or looked at to replace Coleman. And finally, we've got Patterson. Ironically, for Marcel Brands, it's, uh, I think it was a player that was identified by him and his recruitment team. And ironically, he's no longer at the club when, he's, when that player signs, which is obviously, I'm sure that won't be lost on, on Marcel. Um Gav, let's move on to the game. Um, give me your thoughts on the sort of team Rafa should play, or and if that is that different from what you think ultimately we will see at four thirty when the team news drops. And I guess what I'm getting at is <laughs> how important is it that we get through, and how important is it that we avoid a defeat because of the situation? Well, the, the reschedule on the last game hasn't out there, has it really? Um, in the great scheme of things, I'm sure he'd want to put on a, you know, a stronger team than perhaps you may see in a, in a you know, in a, in, if we didn't have the Leicester game. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll give debuts to the full-backs, to be honest with you. Um, I know we mentioned it today, but I think um, I think defence, I think he might play into playing Godfrey left-back again, perhaps. Um, and then just you know, taking it from there. Uh, the fact that I'm struggling to answer this question, Phil, yeah. means that there's a there's a whole complex number of answers, isn't there? You know, and mm. you know, factors you've got to take into account. I think you put I think you put a strong team out. I mean, be interesting. I think whether Calvert Lewin plays, whether he keeps him for Leicester, I, I, I'm not sure. I think the one thing that's it, no, isn't it? He will put on a team that you. That, that can win the game 
with no no problems because you can't go with again last three days later god help us or god help him if we play leicester at home on tuesday night I haven't lost it at hull and near the fa cup so i think i think it'll be quite a strong team you know and just let leicester take care of itself um mm. yeah I, I i can't i might be wrong here but i wouldn't start full fullbacks tomorrow it doesn't seem like full of us freezing cold full of us fa cup game live on the bbc not maybe not the game to uh to blood them but we'll see but it'd be uh it'll be a, a stronger team than what you would normally see in similar circumstances so adam gav hopes or believes that it could be a stronger team than you would see in normal circumstances so going back to our last trip to the championship or, or lower league sort of lower level opposition in the cup qpr do we play a stronger team than, than we did uh, at loftus road which ironically was team captain by luca dean that man <laughs> god yeah um yeah yeah i think so i think you've I would argue you've essentially got to go essentially all strength. <laughs> to be honest, you, this I, th- I think this is an absolute must-win game, and it's it's one of those matches where you've got to pull out say your full strength side. Don't say, don't be complacent in any way against a whole side. I think they're nineteenth in the championship, a bit inconsistent themselves so far this season. But you just can't be complacent when when it's a one-off cup tie like that. I think if you put your strongest side out, hope. Hope to God that they can they can they can pull a decent performance together. Hopefully, be a couple of goals ahead, and then you can make the changes. Maybe potentially rest a few players ahead of that Leicester game. Uh, it's interesting to hear Gav talk about Calvert Lewin. You know the training pictures that Everton released yesterday. Couldn't see Calvert Lewin in them, which you know could be a coincidence. Of course, could could have been in some sort of like recovery session, but you know it's just going to be interesting to see. You know, after after him playing 90 minutes, the Rafa certainly wouldn't have wanted him to play against Brighton. It's going to be interesting to see how he uh, how he manages him ahead of that Leicester game. Uh, he could could perhaps start Rondon. This could be perhaps another game to try and start Ellis Sims. You know, the, the likes of Lewis Dobbin and Tyler Onyango will want to be getting some sort of minutes in this kind of match. Of course, I think they'll probably. They're probably more likely to get some minutes from the bench in this, in this one rather than uh, rather than starting. But uh, yeah, uh, essentially my my thoughts for this are just go just go full strength. Don't don't take any chances with this. I don't think Everton are in any position to take any chances in any sort of game at this point. They just need to to go full strength, and then you know it, it, the pressure will be on those players to put a performance together and you know make life easier for Rafa Benitez a little bit further down the road and. Hope that he can make a few changes and rest a few players in the second half or on in the closing stages. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not driving two and a half hours to Hull and freezing our watch <laughs> what's it's off for uh, for a defeat. Um, Preno um, Adam mentioned must win, and I think we've probably on this pod mentioned that about fifty times this season. Um, is it must win? Hundred percent, it is. Yeah, I made the arguments earlier in the week that this is more important than Tuesday against Leicester. Um, you know, fans might want to hear that. You know, uh, we're in for a table of mid, in for a season of mid-table mediocrity, but it looks like that's the case. You know, there's like eight points gap between the club and the relegation zone at the moment. Um, so for me, an FA Cup run is absolutely imperative. Uh, we need it as a football club, and the manager needs it desperately. Um, you know, we all saw what the reaction was like to the defeat on Sunday. And uh, if Everton were to go out of the cup on Saturday to a championship, a struggling championship team. Um, well, you can imagine what the reaction would be. 
So I'm with Adam in that respect. I would definitely play as full strength a team as possible. Um, you know, so go strong. Because what complicates the issue as well this season, there's no replays. You know, it's decided pretty much on the day. And so it's going to be a little bit easier for giant killings, if you like. You're going to get some teams that will absolutely pack their defences and you know, park the bus and just try and grind it out and sneak through on a penalty shootout. And so we need to try and avoid that at all costs as well. You know, so we need to pick a strong team make a good start, not some of the horrible mistake-ridden starts that we've made in recent games. Don't go behind, for God's sake. How many times have we gone behind this season and been forced to mount a rescue act? This needs to be absolutely immaculate from the start. You know, so just get going, get, get a goal or two up, and then you can maybe think about introducing the likes of Onyango and Sims. But, you know, just go strong because it's massive. It really is important. You say it every year, the FA Cup, you know, it's a bit of a distraction from what's going on in the league. Uh, but, you know, last season with the club where it was in January, uh, it maybe wasn't quite as imperative as it is this season. So, yeah, it's huge. Absolutely massive game. BBC cameras there, you know, it's a sensing an upset, as, as we say. So, yeah, go for it. Strong as possible. Get a win and get into the hat for the fourth round. Mm, I think it's 14 games in all compositions where we've conceded the first goal, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah. Um, Chris, you're the last one to give us your opinions on on what sort of team Rafa should, uh, should be playing. And, and I guess... Does that tally with how you think he, he will line up tomorrow night? Oh, um, um, yeah, I'll echo those sentiments definitely in that, like I said, uh, Everton are not in a position to mess about. I seem to remember a couple of years ago, Millwall were also a struggling championship side, weren't they? And I think Marco Silva put out his first, more or less his first 11 then, and that still wasn't good enough. So you certainly don't want to be weakening that um, that team, you know, they've got to get back into winning habits. One win in 12, it's just not good enough. I mean, this could be the, you know, the opportunity to kickstart that season. But as Gab says, there's a real sort of distraction now because of that Leicester City game. Because if he did a clear week going into the next Premier League fixture, I'm sure he wouldn't have fought twice. You know, of course, it'd be a given. You'd play that first 11, it wouldn't be a problem. But when you've got, you know, a, 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 an important Premier League game three days later, you Perhaps he does have one eye on that and he would be sort of um, concerned, especially people like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Is he going to play them and start with him in both matches? So, yeah, I, I don't think he can do anything but go as, as strong as he possibly can. But whether, whether he will do that, I'm not sure because of that Leicester game. Indeed, complications, not straightforward. And uh, the pressure obviously continues to... Uh, pile on Benitez but we're all hoping for uh, for a smooth passage through to round four on Saturday evening Adam and I will be at the uh, now named MKM stadium I believe it's been all sorts hasn't it in Hull hasn't it but I believe it's MKM but don't hold me to that uh, on Saturday night so stay with us for all the live updates news analysis reaction uh, and opinion from that um Chaps, thank you very much for your company. Excellent as always uh, thank you very much for listening uh, another pod again on Monday reviewing hopefully a victory and looking forward to uh, the return of Premier League action in that delayed Leicester game. Uh, but until then, thanks very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.